story of a season. He's all by himself, fires into the end zone, caught, touchdown! Here's your host, Truman Chose. Hey, welcome to Story of a Season. You're listening on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So last week, uh, I was just going through some of the particular statistics that I would like to use to look at the upcoming NFL season, uh, just to give a sort of framework. There were a couple that I left off, so I'm just going to go through those uh, to start off. The first one we wanted to look at is passing efficiency. Um, so that, that is how many yards the team is picking up per passing play. Uh, so there's one particular passing efficiency uh, stat, which is net yards per attempt. And that includes sack data, which when you think about it, makes sense. So a sack was designed to be a passing play in the first place. So a team that gets sacked a lot is more unlikely to have a successful passing play, right? And so it just combines uh, both plays where the quarterback did attempt to pass and also ones where the intention was to attempt to pass, but it was disrupted by a, pa- by a sack. So that's not the most in-depth stat, but like point differential, it's fairly easy to calculate, to understand, and just serves as, an, as a nice quick reference. Uh, so you might be wondering why I specifically referenced passing efficiency and not just offensive efficiency or rushing efficiency. Uh, You might especially be wondering this if you've heard this common refrain that sportscasters always give of, you know, X team uh, wins every time X running back gets a certain number of yards in a game. Uh, That means that the running back is really the reason the team is winning. Uh, I'm going to push back against this. Uh, Obviously, sometimes a team does win because of a running back's efforts. I am not denying that happens. But this generalization is is an example of correlation rather than causation. Uh, So what sports stat nerds have kind of figured out is that what often happens is that a team will jump out to a lead fairly early or even, you know, by the end of the the third quarter, middle of the fourth. They're going to try and drain the clock out. Uh, So in their attempts to do that, they will switch to more running plays in the last half or quarter uh, since when the running back goes down, the clock still keeps going. And so that way they can drain the clock uh, make it more unlikely that the opposing team can make a comeback, right? So I'm sure you've seen that happen several times where uh, the quarterback just isn't going to attempt as many passes in the last half, last quarter of the game. Uh, so this gives the running back more yards, which are statistically noisier. And when teams are playing from behind, they will also usually pass more in turn, meaning that teams who rack up a number of uh, passing yards which uh, people think is, you know, kind of impressive. You know, yeah, that quarterback passed for 5,000 yards, whatever. Uh, Often it signifies an underlying weakness with that particular team uh, because it shows the quarterback is having to play catch up a lot more. Um, It it might be that he's a good quarterback, but if it were a really good team, then he wouldn't have to be in the position of having to pass for 5,000 yards in a season, right? And so what we want to look at is passing versus rushing efficiency, not how many total yards there are. Uh, So for whatever reason, passing plays have, at least in recent history, broadly speaking, very broadly speaking, they've been shown to be more efficient and correlate better with wins than just rushing efficiency. 
Uh, so the best teams will often be better at passing, but have more rushing yards than the average team by the end of the year because they passed, they got out to an early lead, and, and then to ice the game, uh, they rushed a lot, right? So that's not to say that running backs don't matter uh, or that rushing plays are totally useless. Uh, football outsiders argue that rushing plays are actually better than passing if you are in a third and short situation where you've just got a couple of yards to pick up on third down. Um, so th- that is a sign that, yes, uh, rushing can be very important. Obviously, there are many other instances, and we don't want to say you should never rush or rushing just does not matter. Um, it's just that the math has shown that in the NFL, in recent history, very broadly speaking, your skill at passing will probably be more important for winning than your skill at rushing. Lastly, uh, I wanted to look at turnover differential. This one's also very simple to understand. Uh, so the basic concept is that turnovers are very random at the end of the day, and the number of turnovers a team will recover from one year to the next fluctuates, especially fumble recoveries. Uh, and then, uh, as Football Outsiders puts it, stripping the ball is a skill. Holding onto the ball is a skill. Pouncing on the ball as it is bouncing all over the place is not a skill. There is no correlation whatsoever between the percentage of fumbles recovered by a team in one year and the percentage they recover in the next year. The odds of recovery are based solely on the type of play involved, not the teams or any of their players. These plays are not lucky, per se, but they have no value whatsoever for predicting future performance. Uh, This is also true for interceptions. So for a recent example, take the 49ers. In 2018, they had only two interceptions in the entire season. Let me repeat that. They had two interceptions. Uh, The next year, they had 23. Yes, they did add Richard Sherman at cornerback, but he is not going to account for 21 interceptions. No one player does that. So some of that is just due to luck, where a few things went their way from one season to the next. Uh, teams that win the turnover battle in a given game usually win, which you know makes sense. If you're throwing five picks, um, chances are if the other team is not throwing five picks, you're probably going to have an uphill battle to win that game. So if we can identify teams that were particularly lucky or unlucky in how many turnovers they recovered or didn't, that can give us a sign of which teams might regress to the mean uh, the next year. So the, the idea being that, okay, if teams were basically winning off the backs of turnovers, uh, we can't just expect that to happen every time next year, right? Okay, so those were the two other big stats that I wanted to mention. Um, So now I want to kind of go forward and look at, okay, so what can all these things I've mentioned, which to recap, point differential, uh, Pythagorean wins, which are the approximate number of wins a team, quote unquote, should have uh, based on their point differential, uh, DVOA, which is just a more advanced look at football plays on a very granular basis that a website called Football Outsiders makes, Uh, net yards per attempt, and passing efficiency, and turnover differential. All right, so what we want to do is take these stats, uh, everything I just mentioned, look at what they tell us about what happened last season, and then we want to see what they imply, taking those taking those into account, uh, looking ahead to the upcoming NFL season, which starts in just over a week. Super pumped. 
And again, I'm, it might sound like I am hammering this point too much, but I just really want to reiterate, these are not perfect stats. These are not the end-all be-all. Um, all sorts of things could happen. There are several things that have happened since the offseason that these numbers do not know about. And teams changed quite a bit. There were several uh, quarterbacks or receivers or other players who were traded around the league. It was a very busy offseason. And then also these stats could suggest seemingly different things about the same team. Uh, One team could be lucky in one area, like maybe uh, close wins, but also they had a very unlucky uh, turnover differential. And so you might look at one of those stats and say, oh, yeah, we, we should probably expect them to not do as well next year. And, you, and then you can look at the other stat and say, actually, we uh, would expect them to do better. Uh, so these are just a handful of things to look at, which have historically shown to at least shed some light on what we can think about uh, upcoming. And that is part of the fun is figuring out, you know, are there any factors or there is there any really important information that we haven't looked at uh, or that these numbers are not picking up. And so then we just have to take that into account and as best as possible uh, make our predictions. And so I'm just offering these numbers as another lens with which to view the league and hopefully get a better idea of what we can kind of expect uh, this upcoming year. So starting off, uh, we're going to look at Point differential slash Pythagorean wins. Um, I'm going to divide teams up into... We're, we're not going to look at all 32 teams for this. That would get very boring very quick. But I just want to kind of make four uh, small tiers of teams. We have teams that are based on their Pythagorean wins even better, according to that, than we might expect from their wins last year or general expectations. Teams that underperformed and we could expect to do better this upcoming year teams that overperformed that are probably worse than their wins suggest and teams that are even worse or about as bad as we expected based on uh their record and their point differential so starting off with the teams that were 500 or better and yet still underperformed their pythagorean expectation by a significant amount we have the patriots bills colts and eagles so just leading off, the Patriots, based on their point differential, we would actually have expected them to win about 12 or 13 games. Uh, they went 10 and 7 and had a quick wildcard exit to the Bills, if you remember that, uh, where the Bills just basically steamrolled them. So many people are not particularly high on the Patriots based on that game. And to be sure, there are definitely some reasons to be concerned about the Patriots. You know, I don't know if you've heard, but they've had very chaotic uh, practices, their offseason, uh, compared to everyone else in the American Conference, they did not get very many free agents or make many upgrades uh, on their receiving core. Uh, Mac Jones doesn't really have an offensive coordinator to speak of since Josh McDaniels left. Um, so yeah, I have many reasons to be concerned about the Patriots, but just based on this one statistic, only taking that into account, we can look at that and go, you know, okay, actually the Patriots are maybe even better than we thought. So even if they were to take a step back, quote unquote, and become a worse team, like maybe they would still end up in about the same range of wins, you know, 10 wins, whatever. 
Um, the Bills, on the other hand, people looking at are looking at them as Super Bowl favorites. Uh, I see no reason to doubt that. Uh, I just bring it up to kind of juxtapose how differently people are viewing uh, the two teams. I do think that the conventional wisdom is largely right. I'm just saying maybe we shouldn't be that sour on the Patriots. Um, the other thing to take into account is that the Patriots did have a number of very large blowouts where, you know, they beat the Jaguars, you think, like, 50 to 10, uh, things like that. Last week I did say, yes, I I do like blowouts. I think they are predictive. That being said, at some point, does it really matter if you're beating a team by 40 points or by 25? Uh, and the Patriots did have a number of those games that might have inflated their Pythagorean win total. Uh, so, again, just things to keep in mind. The Colts. Now that they added Matt Ryan instead of Carson Wentz, uh, I think they might be a very boring team, but they will be a very efficient and very good team that also happens to be boring, in my opinion. Um, I would expect them to improve their win total in a fairly weak division. Uh, They had a number of close losses last year, and I think that they will not be quite so unlucky, so I am also high on the Colts based on that. I don't think that they will be primed for regression this year. Uh, Eagles, similarly, uh, also underperformed last year technically. Uh, So I think that they will still be very much in the thick of the NFC East conversation. Uh, So next there are teams that underperformed, uh, and we have the Seahawks, Broncos, and Lions. Uh, I find it funny that both the Seahawks and Broncos, they both had uh, positive point differentials, meaning that they actually outscored their opponents over the entire season, even though they lost more games than they won. And so, again, that implies, hey, they had a number of close losses. They had a number of fairly impressive wins uh, that were blowouts. And so just just based on that, um, not knowing anything else that happened during their off seasons, we would expect them both to improve next year. Uh, Now, if you follow the NFL at all, you'll know that Russell Wilson was traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos. Uh, So, obviously, people are viewing these teams in very different ways. Uh, I, Because of this, I am fairly high on the Broncos. I do think that Russell Wilson is an excellent quarterback. I think that the Broncos were already a fairly decent team, and this could be the final piece they needed, similar to Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady in the last two years. Uh, Then the Seahawks, what I would just say is that Other people are thinking of them as one of the absolute worst teams in the league. Uh, I I do not think the Seahawks will be a good team, per se, this year. But if they were to just be kind of the gritty team that no one ever wants to play, um, that wouldn't shock me entirely. I see them more as a 9 or 10 win wildcard team that lost their star quarterback and is replacing them with Geno Smith rather than the middling seven win team that most people would tend to view them as that then lost their quarterback. So I don't think they will be crashing quite as hard as most people would think. Uh, the lions, um, if you remember had a number of very close, very heartbreaking losses last year where it seemed like they were always, you know, just close or they let it half time. Uh, and then it just never quite came together. Um, Pythagorean wins recognizes that. And so we could expect them to, improve somewhat this year uh, honestly if they you know got nine wins or something made the wild card 
in a very weak NFC, that would not shock me at all. Uh, so those are the teams that underperformed significantly. And and again, so just based on this one stat, not taking anything else into account, that's uh, what the numbers would imply. They will either do better or not fall off a cliff next year. Uh, so next we have the teams that overperformed somewhat significantly. Uh, so the teams that had a winning record last year that overperformed by a significant amount were the Raiders, Steelers, Packers, Titans, Dolphins, and Rams. So there are quite a few there, but the big ones to mention would be that the Raiders, um, according to Pythagorean wins, were more like a seven-win team. They got outscored uh, by 65 points over the course of the season, and yet somehow they won 10 games and made the playoffs in kind of a shocker. Uh, Steelers were similar, similarly, really not that great of a team. Uh, most of the year we weren't thinking of them as like, yeah, they're definitely a really strong team. If you remember, they both just kind of randomly snuck into the playoffs last week. Uh, so I would expect some regression from both of them. Obviously the Raiders did add Devonte Adams and Chandler Jones. Uh, so that might help counterbalance it a bit, but Prior to that, I would not have considered the Raiders to be a pretty good team, per se. Um, so again, Packers, Titans, Dolphins, Rams also overperformed a bit. Again, with any of those teams, even if they don't miss the playoffs or anything, if they just took a step back, won a handful of fewer games, wouldn't totally shock me. Uh, and then we have the Falcons and Commanders, were teams who were even worse than we thought. Both of those teams won seven games. Uh, some people will call the Falcons the worst seven-win team in NFL history. Uh, they were outscored by, the, by their opponents by almost eight points a game. Somehow they won seven games. I do not think that they will be a very good team this year, especially after losing Matt Ryan, everyone else. Um, I do not expect great things from the Falcons. Commanders, similarly, uh, they didn't necessarily lose quite as much, but numbers suggest they're more like a six-win team. Uh, I don't think we will be seeing much from either of those teams this year. All right, so then we're uh, running a little short on time, so very briefly I wanted to run through just a couple of other things. Um, turnover differential. Uh, last year, the Cowboys and Colts both had a turnover differential of positive 14, meaning that they recovered 14 more turnovers than they lost. Uh, they both led the league in this category. So going forward, they're not guaranteed to lead the league in recoveries of turnovers. Um, the Jaguars, on the other hand, lost 20. I don't think that they will have quite that luck this year. I would expect that just based on that, they might happen into a couple more wins, especially with the chaotic Urban Meyer gone. I think Doug Peterson will have a much uh, more stable organization in Jacksonville than was the case last year. So I, I look at that and I go, you know, the Jaguars will probably win more than three games. Uh, and I did want to mention the Colts just specifically because, you know, yes, they did overperform in turnover differential uh, based on point differential. We They underperformed a bit. And so there is a bit of a tension there. And so those are just other things to consider going forward. Um, other teams who overperform turnover differential, uh, Packers, Cardinals, Vikings, 
Buccaneers, teams that underperformed, uh, include the Panthers, Jets, Bears, Ravens, Raiders. All right, so I apologize for the numbers-heavy episode. I hope that that didn't get too bogged down. Uh, next week, we will be both previewing week one, so I'll give a few predictions for that. And then I will also give my own personal predictions for NFL season, uh, who who the division w- winners are, who wins the Super Bowl, etc. And just to make clear, those are just my personal predictions. I'm not saying this is what the numbers demand they are. They will be informed by the numbers, but also I will have several biases that I won't be able to avoid. Uh, I might pick the Packers to win a few more games than would be normal, things like that. I, I might expect Mike Tomlin to save the Steelers from regression just based on he's never had a losing season. Is that entirely rational? No, absolutely not. But if we only relied on numbers and computers, then that would suck all the joy out of sports. And we're here to have fun and talk about football. So I'm Truman Shows. This has been Story of a Season on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Mm-hmm.